Welcome to Shouts of Grace Radio, practical conversations from God's Word hosted by Pastor Steve Pearson of Redemption Hill Church in Saratoga Springs. At Shouts of Grace Radio, it is our purpose to encourage you to see the Bible as God's source of truth for everyday life and grace as a foundation for a genuine relationship with God. Now, let's join Pastor Steve for today's conversation. Hey, welcome back to the program, and we are so blessed that you have taken the time out of your day to join us, and I am super excited today because I have a good friend of mine that I've known for years who's going to join us on the phone from Calvary Chapel in Colorado, specifically Calvary Chapel, Denver. And so before we get to that, just real quick, if you are a first-time listener to Shouts of Grace, we want to welcome you and let you know that we have about 104 episodes, and you can go to shoutsofgraceradio.com, and there you can catch up with all the episodes and even drop us an email or a note um, and and perhaps even give us a suggestion for a program. We are, we're always taking those as well. And if you are a return listener, we want to thank you for your support and and just say that we are blessed to um, join with you as we reach Utah County, uh, the Uinta Basin, and um, Vernal as well. And so today I'm excited because I have a friend, Louis Cruzado. He's a senior pastor at Calvary Chapel in Denver. Brother, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing well. Uh, your feed's kind of coming a little bit out, in and out a little bit, so not sure if you can hear me clear, but uh, yeah. man, I'm blessed to be here. Uh, you've been a blessing in my life. I, I, Man, I don't know how long we've known each other. I know my wife has known your wife since she was in early teens. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. And um, well, Louie, what I wanted to do today is is I kind of wanted to talk to our listeners, because we, we kind of live in a religious context here in Utah, and I'm sure it's probably similar um, in in Denver, but we live in a religious context where where people are really struggling to kind of get this whole Christian thing right. You know, it's kind of almost like they're they're just wondering, you know, at, at what point am I good enough for God? And so, as, as a result, you know, I th- I think people become really frustrated in their ability to quote unquote please God. And 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 on the other side of that, though, we right. we, we have a whole group of people that that really don't realize the bondage of sin and they play with sin quite a bit mm. and before you know it it just it's it's like a hook that catches a fish and they find themselves in bondage and and so what I wanted to do today is is I wanted to bring up a a, a section of scripture and then kind of turn you loose on it and kind of unpack it for us and 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 tell us kind of what it means and so in the book of Judges, one of the one of the big stories there we know is is Samson, right? And Samson um, is playing around with sin for quite a while, and he's he's getting closer and closer in his compromise. And then one day, of course, he he tells Delilah where his strength lies, and and it's it's a sad state of affairs. But it says there in in chapter sixteen of Judges that he wakes up from his sleep as he had gone as he had done before, and this time he realizes I can't shake myself free. And he has no strength or power. And of course, the Philistines take him. And and then it becomes this really sad state, Louis, where, where Samson is bound. And there's a number of things that happen to him. And I think when I look at that, how that relates to what sin does in a person's life. And so maybe what you can do is, is kind of unpack that for us and let us know for the listener that thinks because they haven't been busted for something right away, that maybe they're getting away with it. Or maybe sin isn't that bad after all. Right. Well, I think it's commonplace. You know, we since the very beginning in Genesis, um, Adam and Eve, when they first sinned, the very first thing they tried to do was hide their sin from God. 
And uh, I, I find it interesting that it, there's something in our nature, in our fleshly nature, that we try to hide sin. And, uh, you know, we can fool people some of the time, but we can fool God none of the time. And, and so I think that uh, most of us, when we begin to struggle with sin and temptation, and we don't bring it to the light, we don't confess it, we don't repent from it, what happens is it begins this pattern of hiding and deception. And, and in our minds, we think, hey, this is, this is all covered up. No one's going to know. And that's a dangerous place to be. Hmm, hmm. You know, I, I think of when, when, as you're talking about that, I think of Ecclesiastes 8.11. It says, because sentence against an evil work is not speedily executed, the hearts of the sons of men get fully set into doing evil. And, and I just think, man, that is us, isn't it? It's like, it's like exactly what you said. Right. When a pattern of life kicks in and we don't see a repercussion or a consequence immediately, we get set into doing that. But but as Samson, you can right. see Samson was lured, wasn't he not? He was lured into sin because he didn't see the ramifications of it right away. Well, and I think that's that's part of deception. You know, part of the deception that the enemy that, that the enemy has in our lives coming against us is that he paints sin in such a way to where oftentimes we don't see ramifications, we don't see where it's going to take us, we don't see the depths of it, and that's that's when it really becomes um, that trap. You know, there's there's that there's a little poem or a saying, and I'm sure you're familiar with this, where it says that you know sin will take you further than you ever wanted to go, keep you longer than you ever wanted to stay, and cost you more than you ever wanted to pay. And that's and that's this is just true in our lives when we begin to play with sin is that it's going to take you so much further than you can imagine. It's going to keep you longer than, than you wanted to stay. And it's going to cost you so much more. And with Samson, we know ultimately it, it cost him his life. Hmm. And, and, and I think, you know, if, if, if we look at this specifically, when he, when he talks about this in, in judges 16, um, there's a sad, a sad state of affairs here, Louis, because He's taken by his enemy and, and he's, he's kind of made to entertain them and, and to dance for right. them. Right. And, and, and the sad thing is, is it says there that when they took him, they seized him, they gouged out his eyes. He no longer could see. Talk about what sin does to a person's sight. Yeah, I think, you know, like anything, sin and deception has a way of deceiving. Um, you know, deception, it's one thing to be deceived by someone else. There's another aspect of self-deception. And sin, there's there's layers, just like peeling the back of an, of an onion, there's layers to what the effects that sin will have on you. And with Samson, there's a physical uh, illustration that, that points to a spiritual illustration is that quite literally when we get caught up in sin, if we don't deal with it right away, then what happens, we begin to grow numb to the Lord. We begin to grow blind to the reality of, of the consequences and how far and where it's going to take us. And, you know, it, it talks about it in James. Uh, James uh, chapter one talks about that sin, when sin is full grown, it conceives, it brings forth to death. And ultimately, that's what happened with Samson. Hmm. And and I like that too because you know he uses in James you had mentioned he, he oddly enough he uses the picture of of giving birth right and and, and oftentimes right. and and I know as a, as as a pastor you've seen this where you'll see something it's 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 almost like looking at a pregnant woman and you go okay do do I ask her if she's pregnant because <laughs> no because right. because I I see something there I think but I'm not really sure. 
And sin's kind of like that in the beginning, right? It's like you're kind of like, something ain't right here. Something's off with this person, right? But then what happens is a little time goes by and they start to show. And you're like, ah, you know? And then even though you don't know what it is yet, it's showing. But then the day comes where it's birthed and then you can name it. And you could say, okay, now I get it. But Louie, what you brought up is really true is, is, but when it grows, that's the problem. It's one thing right. to name it, but if it's allowed to grow, man, in Samson's life, that next thing it says, it says it brought him into shackles and he grinded at the prison. And man, is that not mm-hmm. a picture of a person who's bound in sin? Absolutely. You know, and I think you did on the head is that disobedience will always bring forth death. Always. I mean, again, Paul tells us in Romans that the wage of sin, the cost of sin, the price of sin is death. And and again, there's layers to this. When, when we think of death, I think oftentimes we just think of physical death. But the reality is there's death to relationships with your walk with the Lord. There's death to, uh, to relationships that you have with one another, with people. In fact, it says in 1 John that when we confess sin and we bring sin to light, that the blood of Jesus covers us and we have fellowship with each other. But when we walk in disobedience, it, it puts up a wall. And so it brings forth death. And, you know, you mentioned that, you know, it takes, sometimes it takes time for this to manifest. And sin, you know, Samson struggled with sin with gals, you know, for a long time. And there's a lot of people that we see like that. You know, you, t- you take David in the same way. You know, David had some serious lust issues. That's why he had so many wives. And ultimately, though, that issue of lust and, and disobedience ultimately led to his adultery with Bathsheba. And, and so when we look at Samson, it's a, it's, a, it's a physical picture, but it's a spiritual illustration as well, that disobedience will always bring forth death. Yeah. And, and you know, Louis, why, why, you know, explain why you think, you know, in, in the garden, I know a lot of people think, well, you know, it wasn't that bad or whatever. What really happened? Was it just a break of fellowship with God or, or was there something that took place in the inner man that made sin insatiable? Just this, talk about what happened to the nature of a person and explain to the listener why it is they're so attracted to it. Well, in the, in the garden, we know that God gave a command instruction to Adam and Eve not to, to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And Eve was deceived by the serpent and ate, and she gave to her husband Adam and there was no deception with Adam. He flat out disobeyed God. And the, the, we know that the consequence, God warned that the consequence of sin was going to be death. And so when God comes walking in the garden and Adam calling for Adam to, you know, to ask where he's at, he was hiding. And God says, well, why were you hiding? And he was fearful. And I believe that Adam was fearful of this idea of death, but I don't think Adam fully comprehended what that meant. And we know from Romans chapter you know, 5, 6, and 7 that, that because of Adam's sin, because of his disobedience, that now sin put a wall between man and God, that there was death to this relationship of that intimacy that they no longer had. But then it also um, infected the entire world as we know it today, where sin now is passed from generation to generation to generation, because now it infiltrated the heart, the life, the very flesh of man. And so we are born 
in sin. You know, the scripture tells us in Romans 3 that we're all sinners. Mm. And so that affects every one of us. So I'm not sure how, 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 how depth you want me to go with this, but, um, and so I, I don't know if you have any other thoughts on that. Yeah. You know, I, I think you're a hundred percent right. And, and I think what, what happened is, is that, that brokenness that entered into humanity over time, you know, if you look at depravity in, in its, in its original state in the garden, we've perfected it over time. We've, we've, I mean, if, 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 if the, every thought of man was evil continually in Genesis, I would fear how God would assess it today because we have just gone off the deep end when it comes uh, to sin. And so, so what I want to do now, Louis, is I want to transition on the other side of the break because that wasn't the end for Samson because we know that the, that, that when Samson compromised, his hair was cut, his strength was gone. But the scripture does say that even after he grinded in the, in, in, in the prison, that the hair of his head began to grow back again and that there is a, a, a grace that can return or, or, or strength that can return to a person through the grace of God. And so I want to talk about restoration and what that looks like right after the break. Hang on to your dials. We'll return right after this. You're listening to Shouts of Grace with Pastor Steve, the radio ministry of Redemption Hill Church in Saratoga Springs, Utah. For more information about Redemption Hill, you can visit our website at rhutah.church. Shouts of Grace Radio is thankful for the encouragement from Key Radio, reaching Utah with the good news of eternal life from their station in Provo, Utah. Now, let's join Pastor Steve for the conclusion of today's conversation. Welcome back to the program. I have a good friend of mine, Louis Cruzado, the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel, Denver. And we were talking before the break, Louis, just this idea of, of the corruption of sin and the destruction of sin and what it does and using the life of Samson as an example. But but what I want to do now is, is kind of flip this over and say, look, as destructive as, as sin can be and as harmful as it can be, the truth is that that God can restore. It's not a. It's not an end all. Oh my gosh, I've done this, and now my marriage is over. It's done, and my relationships are over, and it's done. And God is a God of restoration. And so it says there in in Judges chapter sixteen and verse twenty two that the hair of his head, Samson, began to grow again. And so Louis, why? Why is restoration so important for a person to understand as they're seeking to carry on with God? Well, I think it, it goes right at the heart of the gospel. It goes right at the heart of the epistles. You know, you can't help but think of Samson as his hair began to grow back and to, to think about and consider what Paul had to say regarding grace. That in, in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul is telling the, the church in Ephesus that it was by grace that we've been saved, not of works. And then he says that, you know, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so this idea of restoration and grace is something that's part of the equation with God. God desires to restore man to relationship with him. And the only way he does that is by his grace and by his mercy. And so the very sign that Samson began to grow his hair out was a a moment for Samson to realize that God's grace was on him, meaning he didn't deserve it. But God bestowed that on him to give him strength once more. And this is the very thing that God does for us daily. Hmm. So so I'm going to go into the head of Samson presumptuously here and think for a second um, in modern terms. You've sinned. You've blown it. You've done something unimaginable. And in your mind, you're thinking, um, this is it. There's no growth that can come out of this. And, 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 and that is what I love about this. Growth 
came out of the destruction. And that is always God's intention in the end is that that we would grow from it and be stronger after it. Right. But but te- I'm going to go into the head of a person listening right now. I've, I've done too much. I've gone too far. Um, God, God can't forgive me or God can forgive everybody else, but he won't forgive me. Um, and I'm going to wallow here in self-condemnation. What say you to that person? Right. Well, I think what we need to realize is that the enemy is the one, Satan is the one that condemns. Mm. Um, in fact, that's what, he, that's what he's called. He's called the accuser of the brethren. And so uh, what the challenge here is for us to understand God's mercy and God's grace versus condemnation. There's conviction. Conviction is what, what we, we feel remorse for actions that were wrong and sinful. But condemnation makes us not only feel um, the guilt of wrongdoing, but it also removes the promises of God and the scripture of God and the truth of God. For instance, it removes that, that God saved us when we were at our worst it, it causes us to disregard that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. Um, it causes us to forget every other individual in Scripture who's failed miserably. And so condemnation, what it does is it completely removes God's presence, God's word, God's part, and it puts all the responsibility on man, on us. And when we try to bear that responsibility, there, there is no hope. And so, but mercy and grace, it all points back to the cross. It all points back to the goodness of God, the grace of God, the promises of God. And so when we're in that place of feeling overwhelming amount of guilt, we need to go back to the promises of God. And that's what we have to believe by faith over emotion or feelings in the lives of the enemy. That's right. And you know, man, as, as you're talking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of Romans chapter seven, right? Where Paul is talking about, man, I, the things that I'm doing, I can't stand the things that I want to do. I can't find out how to do them. Oh, wretched man that I am. But, but he says something interesting in Romans seven twenty one. Louis says, so I find there to be a law that I want to do right and evil is close mm. at hand. And I think understanding what we are and who we are is as important in this equation because then it helps us realize what we can freely accept. If sin is a law like gravity, that means even the one who wants to do well, I want to do right, I want to obey God, it's like it's constantly pulling me down no matter what. And that is a law that you can't escape. It's 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 inescapable like gravity, right? And right. so so when I get that, that even when I do well, Louis I'm still dependent as much on the grace of God to save me as I am when I'm being a Samson and flirting around with sin. Am I not? Right. Right. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. I think you nailed it on the head. So, so now talk about then the person that says, well, that all sounds good, pastor, but, um, I think I've gone too far. This sin can't be forgiven because there's some, there's some misunderstanding as to what the unforgivable sin is. You know, in, in our religious context here, if you murder, you've committed the unpardonable sin. God can never forgive you. And so you get, you know, you get sentenced to a, a lesser degree of heaven. And so what is the unpardonable sin for the person that's worrying? Did I go too far? Yeah, I think there, you know, there's debate on that, on what that looks like. But what Jesus mentioned in uh, in Mark regarding the unpardonable sin was this idea of blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, rejecting the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And, you, you know, what's interesting is is we're never told that there is an unpardonable sin and, and then they give us a list. There's never a list of that. And, and that's not, that's given on purpose. You know, Jesus didn't say, Hey, you're forgiven so long as you don't do these things. Hmm. And what we need to realize is that sin is sin. 
Um, if you've broken one aspect of the law, you've broken them all. And so, yes, there might be degrees or consequence of different sin, but sin is sin. And Christ came to die for sin once and for all. And because of that, we're told in Hebrews that we can come boldly to the throne of grace. And so it's in grace that we have to find rest, not in our works, whether good works or even bad works. Um, because now, we, it, again, it falls back on us. I can sin then, well, and I can just make sure I don't do the really bad sins. The Pharisees had that kind of thinking, and it was wrong. Because though they followed the letter of the law, they didn't follow the spirit of the law. And so for us, we want to rest. When we have these types of, of, of doubts and questions on whether or not God would forgive me, we go back to the promises of God. The scripture says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. We go back to the, the, to the realization that we're saved by grace, not from works. And grace is all God, not ourselves. And that's where we have to find our rest. Hmm. And, and brother, I'll tell you this, man, and, and, and I know you know this. You know, the longer you walk with the Lord, I think you, um, as your relationship is built with him, you really do arrive at the shores of what Paul concluded when he came to the end of his life. I'm the chiefest of all sinners. And you really do right. realize that, that man, in all that I might have given to God, it all falls on the shores of vanity because really outside of God saving me, there isn't anything I can do to help. Right. And, and, and I think Right. That's important, man, because because, you know, people people that are religious, you know, it's it, when when Jesus was sitting and having in, in Mark chapter nine, he was having conversations and relaxing in the presence of sinners, we're told reclining in tax collectors and sinners presence. It was the religious people that came in and Jesus's, uh, you know, words to them were, man, I didn't come for the righteous. I've come to call sinners to repentance. Right. And and, and I think, man, in, in today's day and age. You know, there's this idea that if we call sin, sin, somehow we're not loving. And so in, in the last couple minutes, I want you to talk about that because the world doesn't get to define for the church what love is. And the world doesn't get to define for the church what sin is. And so is it, is it, is it unloving to, to call somebody to repentance from a lifestyle that is in rebellion to God? Not at all. You know, we're, we're called to do that. that. That's the whole mission of the church. The Great Commission is to give the gospel the saving news. So when someone is living contrary, someone is living against that, um, it's our responsibility to, to point them to the truth of God's word. And so sin is sin. And so I think, you know, we live in a, in a society now where tolerance is, is at, you know, there's not a lot of tolerance. <laughs> but, you know, the scripture says in James 5.19, it says if, if if anyone wanders from the truth and someone turns them back, that he who turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save a soul from death and, and from a multitude of sins. And so I think that, that the loving thing to do is to call people out with their sin. Now, you know, there's definitely areas that are, that are gray, areas that we can maybe agree to disagree. You know, um, some people would say, hey, watching this TV show is okay, and that one's not. Right. That now boils back to personal conviction. I think that there, even if you point some of those things out in a loving, gracious way, that that might be a good conversation. But when it's very clear where there's adultery and there's theft and murder and rage and, and a list of other really blatant sins that we can call out, and we see that, we need to make sure that when we do it, we do it with love, we mm. do it with grace, and we do it with pointing them back to the scriptures of repentance, calling on the name of the Lord, because I think there's a right way and there's a wrong way to do it. Yeah. Um, 
And I think Jesus did, did, did a great job. He, if we want to follow an example of ministry, just follow Jesus. Amen. You know, every, every sinner that he hung out with, he hung out with them. He built a bridge into their life. He was loving. He was gracious. Amen. He spoke the truth, but yes. then he always called them to repentance. Amen. Amen. Hey, man, we are out of time for this edition of Shouts of Grace, man. I'm going to have you back on, dude, and we're going to continue our conversation because I, I, I loved it, man. It's awesome. So thanks for being on, yeah, brother. It, you bet. It's a great joy to do it, man. Um, again, though we're uh, across different states, uh, you're in my heart. We had some great times doing ministry together, and it's great that we can do it once again. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to Shouts of Grace. We'll see you next time. God bless. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Shouts of Grace Radio, practical conversations from God's Word, hosted by Pastor Steve Pearson. We hope that you have been encouraged to see the Bible as God's source of truth for everyday life and grace as the foundation for a genuine relationship with God. If today's conversation encouraged you in your journey following and learning more about Jesus, we would love to hear from you. You can visit us online at shoutsofgraceradio.com. At shoutsofgraceradio.com, you can listen to all of our episodes, share them online with your friends, and find out more about Pastor Steve. Shouts of Grace is an outreach of Redemption Hill Church in Saratoga Springs, Utah. Thank you again for joining us on today's show. And from all of us at Shouts of Grace, it is our prayer that you would grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Shouts of Grace.